Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Detroit dominated in Ottawa in what may have been the most lopsided performance of the season. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley, who is back. He got his power back. We I love live. to see it. He lives and he gets to do his first episode back, breaking down an embarrassing loss in a must-win game to the Ottawa Senators. Aren't you so lucky? <laughs> I'm so lucky, man. I was so pumped to have power. I'm so glad. Obviously, I haven't been like staying at my place like you know that it's been 40 degrees in here um and it's just it's so funny to like come back there's finally heat and like electricity's working red wings play tigers play like it's a it's a i know it's spring training and it's not even close to the same magnitude but like a lot in my world going on all at once tonight and then like a period and a half into the red wings game brian just goes welcome back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as the Red Wings blow two leads in, in the span of like eight minutes. Yeah, so um, you are definitely the highlight of my day because there's about nothing to go over that is good in this Red Wings game. Wow. Uh, I'm honored. What a privilege. You, what a you know, also very, very low bar to step over and they couldn't do it. So congratulations, Scotty. You're the number one star in this Thanks, podcast. Bro bunch of backhanded compliments flying your way. Yeah, right. Um, That's great, dude. <laughs> no, but seriously, I'm, I'm really glad you're back because I wouldn't have wanted to recap this game solo. So, uh, yeah, if, you know, I, I got to do two episodes without you. So if you feel the need to do the bulk of this episode, you know, go right ahead. <laughs> Carry the workload if you feel obligated after <laughs> shoving the workload. Like it, of course, but like... <laughs> <laughs> Only if you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, don't let the last fool you. I'm really pissed off yeah. uh, because that was a very frustrating hockey game. I did a 50 minute crossover with Locked On Senators talking about how this was an imperative back to back in Ottawa. And I mean, I knew what the Senators were. I knew that the metrics said they were a much better team than the results were relaying at that point. And they talked about why they were so far down in the standings. But I expected the Red Wings after beating the New York Rangers and not just outplaying, but dominating the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they just got goalied by Andre Vasilevsky to come out with a chip on their shoulder and want the win in a must-win game. And instead, they laid an egg. And I know this ice was tilted from the start of the game as far as refing goes, but and we'll get into the refing because that was some and they've been victim. I didn't even talk about it with the, after the Rangers lost, Scotty in regards to like the cross check and all the missed calls because I was so pumped they won. I totally forgot. But the roughing has been so irredeemably inconsistent, and it feels – and I, I am not one to normally blame the roughing. Some of the calls Red Wings had against them were earned, but the roughing was horrible. But the Red Wings themselves didn't do themselves any favors by coming out soft in this game. The Senators were flying at you, just wrecking balls into the corner, and you did not respond. And then the defense letting up, I counted at least six breakaways in this game. This was an, like I said in the cold open, has to be the most lopsided game 
The Red Wings have played all season long. And I know that there's a recency bias going on here. And I know they've had some really big losses. But the reason I say that in this case is this was such an important game. And I know they have another game against the Ottawa Senators tomorrow to try and get two points. But this was such an important game to come out and play so flat is embarrassing. And I'm I'm really upset. Yeah, I, I think that's all definitely justified. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say like it was the most it was definitely one of the most lopsided in one regard and that's just when it comes to physicality as you kind of alluded to there it it is was blatantly obvious it was it was i can't even find an adjective to accurately describe how preposterous it was and it, it was it was consistent. It was from the get-go. It was from puck drop. We had big hits, right? Like a minute, 30 seconds into the game, we had big hits. And it was very clear very early on that Ottawa's game plan was to lay you out and just try to destroy you and break your will. And they absolutely did that. 100% game plan succeeded. It worked. And uh, we've talked about this before. We talked about this uh, when the Wings, well, honestly, against a few different teams. I, I remember talking about the, the the Reeves game, right, and, and how that didn't really go the Wings' way either for the exact same reason. And it, it seems to be a really, I, I don't know if I want to call it easy, but it, it's a very, very blatant tactic that a, a, opposing teams can circle and go, hey, if we can just out-physical them, and just out hit them and really be some bruisers we're gonna handily win this game because they cannot respond whatsoever and I think that to your point of, of lopsidedness this game maybe more than any other game this season uh, the only one I can even think of that would come close to it is the Brian Reeves game uh it, it, it was it was on full display uh if you hit the wings hard enough they're not gonna hit you back and uh definitely uh, again like we'll talk about jake wallman like he had some uh, a gritty performance i i guess you'd say but i i you know the refing yes it was it was it seemed disproportionately ticky tacky for us and not as much for ottawa and i totally agree with that and i was very upset with some of the calls too but my biggest takeaway from this game is still the same that it has been on several other occasions this season uh, if if you run into a team more physical or, or extremely physical, the, the wings really have no shot. Well, and that, that leads me to two things. Well, one, the, the hits were actually pretty darn even in this game, 34 to 31. But Mickey yeah. Redman on the broadcast brought up something really interesting. It's like, how come we quality have quality? Hits. He's like, we have quality shot attempts and quality shots. I mean, we don't right. have quality hits because that's Agreed. such a huge thing, too, is, you know, a lot of the times Red Wings were getting hits. It was them finishing the play. But Ottawa was straight up taking runs at Red Wings players after they had already gotten rid of the puck, after they had already passed it away, and the rest were letting it go. And they were laying out big hits, heavy hits. The hits the Red Wings were laying out were just bog standard hits, it felt like, most of the yeah. time. I didn't see Good one job. big hit by Detroit Red Wings in this game. And where was Ben Sherratt in this? The one thing he did, the one notable play he made in this game, was the charging penalty, which, again, I thought was ticky-tacky because Ottawa had been taking runs at you the entire game. There was one hit Gustav Lindstrom hit had early 
or had had taken early, that was a clear charge they didn't call. By the way, seven charging calls in the NHL this year. Two of them have been in the Red Wings in the last two weeks because Rasmussen got one. I tweeted this literally right as Chirac got the penalty, not knowing Sherrod got the penalty, as I remember when Rasmussen got a charging penalty two games ago. But that, that, again, refing, you got out physical. Uh, absolutely, you got bullied in this game. You no, know, bullied way- is is the way to describe it. You got absolutely bullied and, and dragged around the ice for sixty and minutes, and that, you had no response. That caused the Red Wings to play scared. I felt like that play. It caused the Red Wings to, when they felt the slightest amount of pressure, to just ring the puck out. And like we'll talk about defensively, the lapses, offensively, the inability to get anything going. But you know who I felt was really missed as a presence in this game, Scotty. Are, are you going to say who I think you're going to say? I, Michael Rasmussen. Oh, yeah, true. You needed my, were you thinking I was going to say Verona? No, it's <laughs> not important. I thought you were going to say Giovanni Smith. It's okay. <laughs> no, sorry. Sorry, Scotty. Michael no, Rasmussen right, brings though. a physical they, they, edge. The, the more size that, uh, that you're not, a, that is not able to play, the, the more you're missing out on in a game like this. And they desperately, as we've said a million times already, desperately needed any edge they could get in the physicality department and having Rasmussen's size certainly would have helped that a little bit. And losing Rasmussen out indefinitely, as Lalone says, there's going to be week to week, but you won't see him anytime soon. We don't really know what's wrong. It's a weird comment. It is. And he's not on the IR, which is really bizarre. We'll talk about that, yeah. but it's just really frustrating because you, you immediately saw the impact. Not that Michael Rasmussen's a bruiser, but he gets in the corners, he lays hits, he's very physical, and he wins those corner battles. And that's something the Red Wings didn't do this game. So you instantaneously saw the the, the missing presence of Michael Rasmussen on the ice in this hockey game. And it, it was right after he set a career high, too. No one talked about that. I feel like nobody yeah. mentioned it besides me that Michael Rasmussen hit a new career high in points. In that it was Because it was happening in that game against the New York Rangers. So everyone was riding high on that. 29 points now. In 50-whatever games, 25 less games than last season, and he broke his career high. And then, of course, he gets injured immediately. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Um, We'll we'll continue this conversation uh, coming out of the break. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat that won't let you down like the Red Wings, you got to check out Built Bar. We just made it through the holidays. And, guys, you're at the point now, March right around the corner. Your New Year's, New Year's resolutions, they're not resolutions anymore. You either have stuck with them and they're part of it, your daily habit or they're gone. But regardless, you should be incorporating Built Bars into your diet. Why? Because they're only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein while covered in 100% real chocolate. They're so good that you won't even believe you're eating a protein bar. They taste like a candy bar. And they got some amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond and you know previously scotty you used to always have to go to built.com to get a built bar but that's just not the case anymore is it it's not man walmart sam's club four bar boxes 13 bar boxes we're balling baby they're absolutely balling but at walmart you can get a cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puff four bar box and that 13 bar box that Scotty was talking about is at Sam's Club because you know at those warehouse places you can buy in bulk you can get brownie batter or churro you'll thank us later so make sure you go to built.com you go to Walmart or you go to Sam's Club you won't regret it segment two locked on Red Wings podcast we're talking about this six to two blowout loss to the Ottawa Senators in the first half of this back to back uh do you want to talk 
there's so much to break down in this game. Do you want to talk about individual players? Do you want to talk about the uh, whole, like offense as a whole, defense as a whole, goalie? Like, <laughs> there's so many different directions you can go with this horrid performance that we just witnessed. Yeah, you know, I I, I think <laughs> honestly, let's just get let let's let's talk Helberg. Let's get goaltending out of the way. I I, I thought. You know, honestly, I was ready to come on here and talk about how I really felt like he was stepping up in a big moment and was really good like 12 minutes into probably even longer, probably like the first period, maybe even the first period and like the first couple of minutes of period two. I, I was I was really impressed. And then he let in the, the one I think it was Claude Giroux, like softy just in the five hole. Uh, on the uh, yeah, it was the one where Claude was like just hanging by the blue line, and there was no defense back, and he just had a breakaway and whatever. And the he didn't even make a move. That <laughs> stick got hooked, and the puck just kept going forward, and just found the back of the net. And a- a- after that goal, it was just that. Then the, kind of the free for all happened. But in the same breath, how? And I'm not trying to be faced forty plus like shot. stereotypical. He didn't look good in the for two thirds of the hockey game. I'm not trying to defend him whatsoever, but it, it, this can be a perfect storm situation. And the defense was was honestly putrid. Like this was, I, I'm pretty sure. Well, actually, I know that Helberg. That's the most shots he's ever faced in an NHL game in his entire career. And on top of that, they had what thirty through two. I'm pretty sure Ottawa had around 30 shots on net through two periods. Like, th- th- I mean, this was a, a just <laughs> a, a free for all, and there was very little resistance in front of the net. And on top of all of that, I guess I'm just kind of you know ranting at this point. But like, then there was in the second period, obviously, refing or not, you couldn't stay out of the box, and it was just. They, at one point, they had, like, three power plays in a row, almost in unison, like, back-to-back-to-back. It was just really a really, really rough game when it came to preventing offensive pressure from Ottawa. No, I, I completely agree. And I think it's a yes-and type situation uh, when you refer – when you're talking about Magnus Alberg. Like, he wasn't great, but also he was not helped out at all whatsoever by right. the defense in front of him. I think I mentioned it in segment one, but I believe the Red Wings gave up at least six breakaways, partial full breakaways. The Claude Giroux goal was one of them. I can give him a little bit of slack on the Claude Giroux goal because he was expecting a move. And then the hook from Lindstrom, that was going to be a penalty shot. I don't know if you saw the arm go up, Yeah, threw him off and Giroux lost the puck on it, which honestly, I, I don't mind Lindstrom taking that, that penalty shot in Not that, in that situation. But it, it threw him off, but it was still a softy. Absolutely. Then the Brady Kachuk goal. You can't allow a glove side goal far side from the top of the circle. That's a softy. I would even argue the Shabbat goal was a bit of a softy because Magnus Helberg, while it was again another partial breakaway, kind of told, had a tell where he dropped his shoulder yeah. and he started to make a move to the left, left that short side open. So Magnus Helberg and, and, you know, credit Ryan Hanna from a uh, wind wheel. He tweeted it out. He said, it looked like a Jekyll and Hyde performance where he looked good through the first half of the game, but then the wheels fell off. And again, not helped out at all by the players in front of him with all the breakaways, odd man rushes, all just the, the total number of shots. 
but you know, he didn't necessarily stand on his head either. You want to talk about how he looked good in the first half of the game and he made some big saves. I won't take that away from him, but mechanically he was a little bit scary to me because there was a lot of saves he made where it felt like he was there by luck, not out of anticipation. I mentioned this about Andre Vasilevsky and I'm not expecting Magnus Halberg to be Andre Vasilevsky. That would be unfair, but Andre Vasilevsky in that, 40-plus safe shutout against the Detroit Red Wings, felt as if he always was anticipating where that puck was going to go. He had an idea of the direction it was going to take off the stick of the Red Wings players. Always felt like he was in the right spot at the right time. Magnus Helberg, it felt like, oh, crap, I'm out of position. I got to make a save. Then also, we got to stop Magnus Helberg from playing the puck. Every single time he played the puck, it felt like he was getting caught. Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me, especially in the second period specifically. You know, that's... One of the one of the first rules when the cardinal sins is is you know player not puck and certainly was playing the puck a lot and he got hurt for it earlier in the season too what was it last his last start the Red Wings bailed him out I think it was the game against Calgary where he or was it the second game against Vancouver I cannot remember but he the very first goal of the game against the Red Wings was a gimme because he played the puck and he played it poorly he gave it away and they ended up scoring. So his, his ability to play the puck has not been there. And it just highlights what I said yesterday on my crossover with Lockdown Sens is like, despite Magnus Helberg's decent statistics to this point, backup goaltending is still an issue. And it was an issue For again sure. in this game. Yeah, he, look, I, I mean, backup. right. We're, you know, there's a whole greater, like grand picture conversation that I'm sure we'll have as the week goes on. And once we start, playing some more games and are getting further and further into the season. But um, just because the Red Wings went on a heater and, and put themselves in the playoff conversation and contention doesn't mean that all of the problems they had before the heater went away. Like <laughs> Far they, from it. they still need a, a consistent goal score. They still need better defense and they still need backup goaltending. And then, going on a on a west coast road trip heater to put yourself into the playoff conversation does not eliminate those uh, even though they have proven that they can still win in spite of them and we're obviously still rooting for them to to go further and whatever i'm not trying to be like doom and gloom but you know problems don't just disappear o- overnight like that so yeah i i 100 agree you know and while we're talking about the back half of the ice i mean Obviously, we mentioned defensively overall, tons of odd man rushes, but notably Phil Peronik, who took a bad interference call that led to a power play goal. He did have an assist in the Perron's goal for yeah. what it's worth, but the interference he took was clearing away an interference. The puck was right by him. He decided not to play the puck and just yeah. pulled off the player. Yeah, Instead, that, one, that one was no no bad roughing on that one. And then about three of the odd man rushes and power breakaways were on his side, and then Gustav Lindstrom, it felt like every other power play was with him. And, you know, yeah, Jordan O'Sullivan. One was on the- a, well, two... One or two were just like really bad line changes. And then, yeah, all the rest were on that side. Yeah, it's just. <sighs> Phil I, I'm not sure really I've ever games. seen. Well, that's not true. I've <laughs> certainly not true. And in, in over the last couple of years of Red Wings hockey, I was about to be super dramatic. But maybe this season, I, I'm not sure I've seen that many just like easy breakaways. Like one pass, <laughs> a, a yeah. sense player on the blue line. And and it's a wide open, sit like I I don't that was remarkable. I, I'm not for as much heat as we give this defense and have given this defense consistently throughout the year. That, that this was even different than like what we're used to. 
I'm, that was just remarkable how many just, times that happened in the course of 60 minutes. I'm just so sick of the revolving door at six, number 60. The the Osterle, Haig, Lindstrom revolving door, yeah. I, I'm tired of it. None of those guys. I mean, I, if I'm being honest, Osterle was the most solid, not saying he was solid, but the most solid of those three guys, and now he's on the IR. Haig and Lindstrom have been they've been lackluster this season, to say the least, and if this wasn't the Red Wings' defensive core, they wouldn't be on the NHL roster, an NHL roster almost anywhere else, right? I don't feel like, it's with the exception of the teams that are tanking hardcore. I mean, this is just, it feels like every time Lindstrom, I don't like ragging on guys. I don't like ragging on individual guys, but it just feels like whenever that third pair defenseman, that third pair is out there, and Olimata, unfortunately, is a part of that problem as well, and I don't know how much of that is Olimata's fault and just like the team players he's playing with, but feels like anytime that third pair is out there, you're liable to give up a breakaway or an odd man rush or a scoring chance. And it's, it's getting frustrating because I know there are players in Grand Rapids that are ready to help. I don't know how, I don't know how, if they're like NHL ready, but they gotta be better than what we're trotting out there every single night. It's just, well, yeah, maybe a philosophical kind of looking ahead question later in the week, but um, I don't know about you, but I've been asked on socials a lot over the last couple of weeks actually it was uh, multiple by multiple people in my tweet where i was like hey i have no power to ask me questions <laughs> um uh early last at the end of last week um i had a couple different people ask me about you know if the wings are in a ever though if the wings are close to the playoffs later in the year does that make you more or less uh what's the word i'm looking for likely sure to bring up Edvinson or not. Yeah, I think I saw one of those replies. And you know what, Scotty? I'll give you the answer to that right after this. Wow. But first... What in the biz we call a teaser. Everybody. I got to talk to you guys today about Athletic Greens. Our next product is a partner. Our next partner is a product you got to use <laughs> literally every day. I always get those two mixed up you start taking ag1 because with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins and minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right the special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all the things it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy free or gluten free and contains less than one gram of sugar it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that supports projects protecting old-growth rainforests. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different supplements and pills to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Segment three, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Scotty asked me before the break, um, while his Twitter followers had asked him on Twitter, and then he asked me before the break. If uh, if the Red Wings are in a tight playoff hunt, if that makes you more or less likely to call up Simon Edmondson down the down the line, Scotty, I think that's a pretty easy, in my opinion, less likely to call up Simon Edmondson because why would you want to throw? Here's the thing: if one, if your team's in a playoff hunt, the last thing you want to do is bring up a rookie at that moment in time who could potentially not be ready for the NHL. 
I'm not saying Simon Edmondson's not, but one who needs to adjust the NHL speed and throw him out there to possibly make morale, morale crushing mistakes right at the end of the season that could help the team miss a playoff opportunity. When you call up rookies, a lot of the times you're doing so in a position where you're not in a playoff race. If you're in a, t- a team that's tight and close down the line, you do what the Red Wings did last year. Not that they were close and tight down the line, but you keep that player in Grand Rapids the entire year like they did with Jonathan Berggren. I feel like calling up Simon Evanson if you're one or two points out is it, just going to mess with the formula that you got cooking. Because if you're that close down the line, even though I just ranted about how much I, 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 I loathe that number six D spot, Throwing a rookie to the wolves like that isn't usually a formula for success, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I I think there is an argument for getting meaningful hockey out of the gate, but also only in like eight to ten minutes a night. I think that there's certainly a kind of a a babying, for lack of a better term, that people are going to be comfortable with, but also getting him experience. I don't know. That I don't want to derail. We I still want to talk about the game. We still got more points we want to bring up about this game before we get into that. That can be a, a more fuller conversation and and maybe take up a segment or two of a show later in the season. Um, but uh, it was just something interesting. And you brought up the kind of the sixth D man and how much it struggled this year. Whoever is filling in for it, and, and it kind of just jogged my memory of that. But yeah, really the the biggest thing in in this game just it's it's remarkable to me how defensively it it was and i kind of said this already i guess i don't want to just keep looping in circles but like it it was unbelievable to me how many times it was just so easy to make one pass for ottawa and then they were just past everybody you know what i mean like it, it it was it was one pass to somebody that was already standing on the blue line pretty much. And then it, that, that was it. And I, I like in-game adjustments are a thing. I know that they're difficult, but like, I, I'm not sure how that was able to just keep happening. I don't know. I, I don't want to just keep running in circles, but it was, it was a very, very frustrating hockey game to watch. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't just defensively either. Offensively as well, Scotty, I thought the team struggled mightily. Yeah, they, going I mean, they were lot. getting shot 20 by the end of the second period. Like, well, and that's, yes, that a lot to do with the defense. But we also only had, like, what, 13, 15 shots through two? Like, it's... <laughs> well, it wasn't just ways. the shots. I mean, to get shots on net, you have to carry the puck into the offensive zone, and they couldn't do that. Correct. So yeah. their, their lone method of zone entry in this game, unless you're Dylan Larkin, who has the ability to skate through all the defenders, and he did that, like, two or three times, is to dump and chase. And the problem with dump and chase is when you're against a team that knows how to play to, and defend against that, you don't get the puck back on the chase. As the Red Wings... Could not, and this is where you missed Rasmussen again, the Red Wings could not win the corner battles. they dumped the puck in, and they would fail. They would just either straight up fail to be the first player there and just give possession to Ottawa, who would then proceed to break out again. Right. Or they would challenge for the puck in the corner and lose the battle and then proceed again to the back out, to the to the breakout for the Ottawa Senators. Or on those slim opportunities where the Red Wings would win the corner battle and get possession of the puck, their offensive offensive play was so painfully predictable that the Ottawa Senators defended it easily. A lot of the time it was force the turnover behind the net or get the puck in the corner and just throw it to the front. Every single time the Ottawa Senators picked it off every single time. Cause that's all the Red Wings would do. Yeah. Well, 
the entire offensive production came from either power plays or like one-time breakaways. And we only had one of those two. Well, one, yeah. One like really, really legitimate one-man break. And and Burt took advantage. Good for him. Nice little, uh, nice goal there. I I didn't think he looked awful, uh, which is kind of the bar for this game for a lot of people. But (laughs) He didn't look awful. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like that was that was the entire offensive production was the power play I thought looked actually really good. It's just they weren't on the ice very often. And then the 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 breakaway. Like on even strength, which was a majority of your game, it was yeah, I mean you, there was nothing. No traction, no consistency, zero uh, not even offensive pressure, just zone entry period. We were not even getting to having the ability have offensive pressure or like have sets or like try and run you know formations like plays or something like it, it's you didn't even have his own entry for i don't know 70 percent of the hockey game so. okay so before i move on to the final thing scott i do want to give a, a shout out to one david perron who finally broke his dry spell finally scored a goal in the power play he's been yeah. he's honestly been snake bitten he's had a lot of really good opportunities he got his 15th goal of the year on a power play goal that gave the red Wings a 2-1 lead Good for him. Not a lot of good things to say, so I'm going to end it there. Jake Woolman is a freaking warrior. Blocked like four or five shots, just kept skating. Jake Woolman, extend that man eight years. I don't give a crap. Just give it to him. <laughs> he, he's, he's been fantastic. He's probably the number one star on the right wing side of things in this game with just how gritty he has been. And he blocked a lot. He, he set a career high in shot attempts against the Lightning, and he set a career high in blocks tonight against the Ottawa Senators. So he is him. He is legitimate. Okay. So here's the question. One, how do you rebound? You have a huge game tomorrow now. You thought this was a big game. Tomorrow is even bigger now because you lost the first game. Yeah, correct. You do have Huso starting. But also, we're looking at a situation where the whether you stand pat or sell shifts very greatly game by game leading up to the deadline. Tomorrow's your last yeah. game before the deadline. If you lose tomorrow, do you shift back? from standing pat to selling, or are you still trying to run it back? Is this the last game before the deadline? Tomorrow is the last game before the deadline. I'm fairly certain. Oh, man. Um, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying. Sorry, they do have one more game. Okay. Game against Cur- the Kraken is the last game before the deadline on Thursday. Deadline's on Friday. Okay, so you're you're giving yourself a, a day there. Um, yes. So your mind is probably pretty made up pre-Kraken game then, to be honest with you. I mean, losing back-to-back games against a division rival, another team that's f- fighting for a wild-card spot, that's a huge blow to your playoff odds. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, it's tough. I mean, I, really, this conversation only in a vacuum matters to Burt. Like, well... There's been some more news in air quotes on that front, as I'm pretty sure. Oh, God, I'm drawing a blank on the name. But one of those NHL beat writers posted, it might have been like Jagger, but I can't quite remember. I'm sorry, guys. I, I should have had it ready, but emotions are high. Reported that the Red Wings are listening to offers on Tyler Bertuzzi again because of the holes that Tanner Janot and yeah. um, Tanner, like Tanner, you know, pretty much specifically has gotten yeah. uh, this offseason or this trade deadline. I mean, they, the amount they got for a guy that has produced so little, little this year is crazy, but that's solely because he had finishing last year and he brings a physical presence. So 
if this team loses, I mean, does is are we just going back to assuming Bertuzzi is gone? You know what? Oh, golly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll have that conversation again as we get closer to deadline day, and I'm sure we'll do a lot of deadline coverage. But, uh, I mean, immediately, I, I don't want to – I don't want to lose one game and like fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Just like completely, you know, like hit the panic button and like have the sirens going off and everything. Uh, if, if they win, if they win tomorrow and or today and man, I, you really, you really, yeah, I think mean, you really needed both. You really, you really, really, but that's exactly both. it. Like that is, that is how impactful these two games are in my mind is that these two, and I said it with the Sens guys, these two games can make or break both teams seasons. If it goes two Oh one way or the other, yeah, if it, if it goes a sweep I, one way or the other, then it could make or break one, one or either team seasons. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I, like I said earlier, I, I think that the buy or sell thing really only big time matters to Burt. A lot of the expiring people, several of them at least, we want back and we're not looking to move necessarily. Um, So I I think that, and that's not to say Burt can't fall into that category too, but I I think that he's just the the biggest name of all of the easy candidates to shop. So I I think that it it really only affects him, at least in in a, definitely the biggest magnitude, but I also, and I've held this belief throughout this entire time, I don't think we're buying. So, like, I I think that it's really either – I don't want to be – maybe I don't want to be this cut and dry, but is it really just are you going to stand pat or trade Bertuzzi? Is it maybe just going to be as simple as that? Like, are the next – is the next two games, maybe even just the next game, going to single-handedly determine if you're trading Bert or if you're not making really any moves? I mean – that's the thing though, right? Like trading Bertuzzi is a huge indication of what Eiserman wants this team to do. I mean, cause Bertuzzi is such a key piece to that offense without him. You're basically saying, okay, you're not making the playoffs. I were, we're reloading for next year, keeping him. You're saying go for it. I mean that, that alone, that move alone determines what this team's trying to do. I, no, no, no. I, I'm not saying direction. I, I agree with that. I'm just saying from the like moves that you would make at the trade deadline, it, I don't know. It, it might be, I mean, people want Wallman back. Obviously Larkin is trying oh, to come keep back. Wallman, absolutely. Right. So I, I think that it really is just going to come down to maybe it's just the fate of Tyler Bertuzzi, to be honest with you. Yeah, because like I, I'm not chomping at the bit to trade guys like Pew Seward and Oscar Sundquist because I also don't think you'd be getting a whole lot back for them. Right, so it's like, wise, and yeah. and we're the Red Wings are at a phase now of the rebuild where I believe they want prospects rather than picks because they're trying to get better now Especially in the near like future. That, you're talking about like sixth round, seventh yeah. round picks. Yeah, despite yeah. the fact, I mean, Pew Seward has been on a heater. He got another assist in this game, and Agreed. kudos to him as that fourth line continues to click. Oscar Sundquist also got an assist. Um, so. But I don't know, man. That's where I'm at. In terms of rebounding and the game tonight against the Ottawa Senators, how do you respond? Do you come out and try to meet them with the same energy they brought to you, or do you try and continue to play your game and instead just this time not get shaken off of it? Like, what's the better route to take? Uh, you you can't get bullied again and win a hockey game. Like, you I get, can't. 
they they have not shown the ability all year to get dominated in the physicality department and still put up a win. Every single time we've come on this show this year and been like, wow, they got bullied in this game. They got dominated in the, uh, on the score sheet too. So yeah. I, I I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to be like it's impossible to win. Obviously any team can win every any game, but uh, if they were to match that energy, it, it would be, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a tough road to victory to kind of not play your game and try to out-bully them. I, I, I would, I would love to be wrong, but that seems like a difficult road. I think you probably just need to try what you've been do- doing during the win streak and just not get rattled when you're getting hit. Yeah. I mean, We'll see, guys. I this is this is this is the reason why I was so hesitant to buy in, and I tweeted it out today. I was really excited for a Red Wings regular regular season Red Wings game for the longest for the first time in a long time, like excluding obviously like opening day, because the implications were there. There were implications to be had, and that was exciting. And it, I got burned, and I'm not. I, I'm very. I get a very emotional after wins and losses. I understand that. I I definitely have the penchant to kind of flip-flop to either extreme and i get that i mean we record right after game so of course i'm going to be emotional scotty tends to be the more logical of the two of us i feel like in a lot of a lot of uh a lot of instances but like this is this is why i was so hesitant to buy in because games like this do happen and they, they burn you when you get your hopes up high but thankfully they have a game again tonight to rectify that and stay alive they have got like we talked about again this was a must win. The game tonight is now must I mean, win hockey. Right. I mean, like we said, like you you alluded to just a couple of minutes ago, this game could single-handedly change the course of the season. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but this game could determine what happens yeah. the, the remainder of the week as far as, you know, trajectory of front office and trade deadline and everything. So because if you win tonight. And then you win against the Kraken. Now you're right back in it. Yeah, you're yeah comfortably right back in there. Yeah, absolutely. And still have games in hand on people. Exactly. So frustrating loss. We'll shake it off. We'll come back tomorrow, hopefully talking about a victory. Scotty, any final thoughts? We ball. We ball. Uh, my final thought is I'm happy to have Scotty back. So <laughs> Glad we'll be to be back, back tomorrow. Baby. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.